I think I would say if anyone's listening to this who's like starting their career journey or kind of in this like, you know, early 20s place where it feels like scary because you can't quite find your spot. I would say, again, even just looking back on my own career at the time, everything felt intentional. And I'm so grateful for the way that my journey played out. But it wasn't like I was able to like find my perfect, perfect company and work there for years and years. And it just started just like that. Like I hopped a couple of times. I worked at Sage. I worked at Aritzia for like under a year each because I was really like interested in just seeing what was out there. And I don't intend to do that anymore. I'm really happy where I've landed. But yes, I would say that it was a really great experience for me to feel out those differences for myself because you just don't know. Hi, welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. If you're new here, this podcast is for confused Gen Zs and millennials unsure what they want to do post-grad or what they want to do with their career. I graduated from business school about two years ago and I had that sense of like, okay, well now what am I supposed to do? And I still have it now. So I just interview people from completely different backgrounds to get a sense on, you know, how they got to where they're at. And yeah, you can expect a lot of diversity in the guests, um, just from completely different backgrounds, which I love learning more about. So I hope you're having a good start to your week. If you're listening to this on Monday when it's released or the end of the week, I hope you had at least one good day that was okay. Um, Vancouver has been super rainy and it's June and it's going to be like summer at the end of the June, um, which is crazy. But I know that Toronto, which is like the East Coast, Montreal, it's super warm out there. It's like over 35 degrees with humidity, but here it's been raining. Um, So hopefully it gets a little warmer and then we can go to the pool, the beach, wear cute swimsuits. And on that note, uh, if you're Canadian, especially, and you know, you're a girl, you like to wear swimsuits, I'm sure you've heard of 437. They create the most beautiful swimsuits. I have one myself and it's such the softest material. So today's guest is Sophie Coleman. She's the marketing director at 437 actually. So this was a really great conversation. Um, Sophie and I just talk about a range of different topics. We go into her childhood, um, you know, and her family, they're high, all high achievers. We talk about her sisters and how we're like obsessed with them. Um, And then we get into her career journey of how she ended up at 437, but she had a few different jobs at Sage, Aritzia, she kind of bounced around and she got a lot of great experience. So this is a really valuable conversation, um, not only if you're in marketing, but if you're, you know, transitioning from job to job, Sophie has a lot of um, advice with that. And then of course we end the episode with a few rapid fire questions. It's my favorite segment, so I hope you like it and let's get straight into it. I'm joined with Sophie Coleman. Sophie is the marketing director at 437. And if you don't know what 437 is, it's a women's swimming apparel company founded in Toronto. And Sophie's also worked for some really big companies like Sage Natural Wellness, Aritzia, and and Inbox. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, Sophie, I'm so excited to learn more from you. So excited to chat. Thanks for having me. Yes. So how have you been Recently, I know this past year has been crazy and 2021 has still been a lot. So how has it been for you? Are you still working from home or what's your life like now? Yes, definitely crazy. I'm originally from BC myself, from Vancouver, and I'm in Toronto now. And I swear Toronto's had like the biggest lockdown in North America. Like nothing's been open since like November at this point. So yeah, no, it's, it's tough, but definitely been grateful to work from home. And I think those of us who've been able to keep working and stay busy in that way should definitely count our blessings. So it's tough, but we live. Amazing. Okay. So usually with my guests, I backtrack a bit, like 
before to where they're at today. So do you mind just like walking the audience through like what your childhood was like, your high school years? So you said you grew up in BC. So kind of give everyone the spiel of what your life was like before. Yes. So I grew up in BC. I grew up in Vancouver, actually outside of the city. I grew up in North Van. Um, so yeah, suburbs outside of Vancouver. And yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think what there even was to report on from, from those years, but I'll say that I grew up in a really, really cool family. I, I often half joking, but half complete truth say that I'm the least cool member of my family when people are talking to me about my job and that kind of stuff, because uh, I have my two parents and then my sister and they're all incredibly cool, creative, driven, motivated people. So growing up in a household that was led by my dad, who's a composer, so he makes music for television and film. And my mom, who was a journalist, she was on uh, CBC radio. She was a news anchor on TV for a while, um, was a very cool environment to grow up in and definitely wasn't used to seeing parents who had super traditional nine to five, pick up a briefcase, go out the door, dad's at the office sort of environment. So I think that really um, encouraged my sister and I to, to pursue lives that looked similarly. I mean, my sister ended up working as a journalist as well. She works for Vulture, which is a very cool publication. Oh, uh, so neat. My mom as a journalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, tell- I'm telling you, I'm the least cool <laughs> member. You got the wrong Coleman here today. Um, but yeah, so she was obviously, you know, went into that line of work. And I always felt really fortunate to be in a family that was super open to me pursuing whatever it was that I wanted. And not everybody has that opportunity. So very, very cool sort of environment to grow up in. And I'm, again, not to say I'm the least cool again, but mm-hmm. I'm also the most like one of the most nine to five members of, of my family considering their background. So was definitely, definitely a super cool environment to grow up in. Interesting. Okay. So I have two questions. So what high school did you go to in North Van? Cause I grew up in West Van. So I'm curious to okay. know where you went. Yeah. I grew up in North Van, but I went to West Van secondary. Okay, cool. I went to Sentinel. So not too far. Nice. 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 Yeah. So small, small world. And- Yes. And I guess my second question with that is, yeah, for me with my family, a lot of it, because half, half of the side is Asian and a lot of my family members are literally all doctors or engineers <laughs> or accountants. So when I decided to go into business or marketing, social media, they're like, oh, like they weren't disappointed, but it was just something new. So for you and your family, it seems like they're all in like a similar industry. Did you ever feel any like pressure or anything to kind of live up as you said that they all are all living their own really cool careers but for you personally did you feel any pressure I don't know kind of I think I had sort of an unconventional kind of pressure in comparison to same with me my my mom's family is Chinese Mm -hmm. Um, I'm third generation Canadian and then my dad's family is white and Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of flipped for us because my dad's family his parents were actually like doctors in the medical career very traditional Mm -hmm. Um, and then he obviously like broke the mold and became a composer and Mm -hmm. is the super creative guy even though he has a brother who's a doctor and another who's a lawyer so Mm -hmm. um, and my mom again having herself defied the immigrant parent sort of mold as well. And of course, a journalist is a very well-respected career, but not a super traditionally high-powered lawyer, doctor, like you said. So Mm -hmm. I didn't feel a ton of pressure to go into these very traditional careers. Mm -hmm. Um, If anything, I think everyone was high achieving and my sister is like such a star. I lived a long time feeling like I just Mm -hmm. wanted to be 
definitely as smart as her, but also just as mm-hmm. cool as her. She's mm-hmm. so interesting, so well read, such good taste that I feel like that was a lot of pressure. And she would tease me for still bringing that up at almost 30, but it, yeah. it definitely was a thing and still is a thing. But it was more inspiration than pressure, I would say, in terms of looking mm-hmm. at my family. Totally. Yeah. And I did a podcast episode with my sister. I'm like obsessed with my sister. She's my biggest role model. Like she's so cool. She's in she's in med school right now and she's living in Ireland. Like she's been living in Europe the past like five years, just living her best life. And I've never had, yeah, I've never had that like jealousy, even though we've kind of like, she's only two years older, like we're similar age, but I've also always just been like, oh my God, like you're so cool, even though we're in completely different areas. So that's interesting. You have that relationship with your sister too. I feel like that's such a little sister thing. Like I, I think and hope my sister thinks I'm a cool person (laughs) at this stage in life, but I feel like the adoration you have for like an older sibling is, is like so special. I was always like, she is the coolest person on earth and she genuinely is. But I think even if she Mm -hmm. hadn't been Mm -hmm. in my mind, she would have been so yeah, little sister stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So after high school, uh, what were you thinking? I think I read that you went to McGill, like in Montreal. So what were you thinking in terms of career? What were your areas of expertise? Yes, I did go to McGill and that's a great segue because I was very motivated to go to McGill because my sister had gone to McGill. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time I got there, she was had transferred to Concordia to do journalism there because the school is really good. But I kind mm-hmm. of stuck it out at, at McGill, very motivated to go to Montreal because of her. But mm-hmm. yeah, university was actually hard for me. And I think I think it was it's kind of an interesting perspective. And just a reminder that I think everyone's journeys are so, so different because on paper, I was very lucky to go to the school that I went to. McGill is a great school. Everyone there is so smart. It's so inspiring, very academic. Um, And then I was working right out of school and I've been hustling since. So I think it would be really easy to look at a piece of paper and kind of picture this, the kind of person who would take that journey. But for Mm -hmm. me, school was was really hard. I was fortunate to go to the school that I did and fortunate to feel that I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to do out of school. But I really struggled because what I was doing in school wasn't exactly how I pictured myself finishing school. So I ended up getting a BA and I was studying sociology um, with a minor in communications. It's not a major that's offered at McGill. And in retrospect, perhaps I should have gone into marketing, but I really had a tough time. And there was in my first couple of years, I really felt it challenging to be motivated because I felt as amazing as the school is. And I can see in retrospect how valuable that experience was for me. And I had a great time outside of the academics. It was so academic. And I just knew I wanted to be in these industries that were changing so much and weren't going to be in books written 25 years ago. And Mm -hmm. I was learning the theory and I learned about the telephone being invented every single year in communications. And I was Mm -hmm. just so itchy for something more current. So it was, school was really hard for me in that I I got fine grades. I I pulled through in the end last couple of years. I, I definitely did better, but a lot of that was because I started interning while I was already in school because I knew my academic experience wasn't really hitting the nail on the head. And I certainly don't regret going to school and I was so lucky and it opened so many doors for me, but It also, my experience really makes me empathize with people who don't feel that what they want is represented in a school journey because Mm -hmm. I felt the most enriching part of those years was really the experience that I got alongside the classes I was taking. So 
Miguel was awesome. I had a great time. I had so much fun. Montreal is the most fun city in the world, which didn't make it easier to be focused on school. But um, yeah, university itself, it was always kind of a grind for me. Yeah, no, I can relate, especially with the like the internships and like UVic, we had co-ops um, and that's where I found uh-huh. my most valuable like actual, you know, work experience and, and like business acumen and marketing skills. It was all through those co-ops. Um, so yeah, for you, when you were interning, did you know that you, cause a lot of your experience right now is in obviously marketing, social media, when you were looking for those internships, were you looking specifically for social media or how did you kind of get into that realm of marketing? I don't want to age myself here because I, I'm not even that old, but <laughs> when I started, Social was part of what I did, but social was not, it was like not even close to what it looks like now. So I really got started working. um, My first internship was at a fashion brand um, doing sort of like general marketing. And that did include, you know, doing like Facebook posts and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like Instagram was like really barely a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it had just launched that year. So Um, I did these sort of general fashion marketing internships and then I went into PR and at that time a lot of PR agencies were who was responsible for social and it was kind of something Mm -hmm. that was done alongside you know your media events and your pitching and that kind of stuff it really wasn't treated the way that it's treated now so I definitely found my love for social media in my personal life and then ultimately through my professional experience but I wasn't able to really go right into it because it just like didn't exist at the time again I'm I'm not even that old it was like the it was (laughs) no I know 13 maybe yes yes social media has changed even so much this past year to even with like TikTok and reels like it's constantly changing a hundred percent so I I definitely got my feet wet in that capacity and then was able to Mm -hmm. sort of specialize as I as I notice myself being particularly engaged in social and social content Mm -hmm. and strategy and that kind of thing. But it was probably less intentional than I would like to say, because it just wasn't, I think I was really like, I don't know about you, but I grew up being like, I am going to be like the Hills. Like I'm going to work at a (laughs) magazine, like Teen Vogue parties, like, and that's total like PR girl stuff. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. was more where I started. And then I kind of like narrowed myself down in, into social. I, I really respect PR, but it's, it's such a grind. It is. Yeah. I was the same as well. I was expecting like when I was younger, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to work at all these like magazines, like teen Vogue and Vogue and stuff. But I'm like, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to ever end up there, but yeah. So what sure. about, um, working at some of like the larger companies that you've had positions at like Sage is quite big Aritzia. Um, and how was your experience different from some of the more smaller companies I know 437 is not a small company but it is like more it's not like worldwide if that makes sense like there's like one office but you know what I mean so totally no no totally I totally get it I think there is I think there is a pretty clear difference I mean I Mm -hmm. had such amazing experiences at the larger companies that I worked Mm -hmm. at and I think I would say if anyone's listening to this who's like starting their career journey or kind of in this like you know early 20s place where it feels like scary because you can't quite find your spot I would say again even just looking back on my own career at the time everything felt intentional and I'm so grateful for the way that my journey played out but it wasn't like I was able to like find my perfect perfect company and work there for years and years and it just started just like that like I hopped a couple of times I worked at Sage I worked at Aritzia for like under a year each Mm -hmm. um because I was really like interested in just seeing what was out there and um I don't intend to do that anymore I'm really happy where I've landed but yes I would say that 
it was a really great experience for me to feel out those differences for myself because you just don't know. I think I think what was also interesting was getting started in agencies and then going to big companies and then right. going to these small companies. So I just want to pop in and say, if you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a review if you can, and follow me on Instagram at wellnowwhatpodcast. Let me know what you thought about the episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's get back into it. There's so many, there's so many differences. And I would say the biggest, I learned a ton. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. I learned a ton, but it's definitely different to do digital marketing or social or influencers at a big company that is very like brick and mortar first. Mm -hmm. So Sage and Aritzia are both amazing companies, amazing brands. Their products are incredible. They know what they're doing, but really most of the things that they did, at least when I was there in a marketing capacity were to facilitate in-store sales. Cause that's where the majority of their business happens is people walking into stores and having a gorgeous experience. I mean, right. both of those brands mm-hmm. Sage, you can smell it from a mile away. It's such a beautiful, like sensory experience and Aritzia, mm-hmm. of course, the stores are always stunning over the top. Like, you know, the sales associates are trained to a T like that's really what the Aritzia mm-hmm. experience is. So for someone who was really wanting to work in social, which is like you said, changing every day so quickly, it doesn't necessarily always make for the best working environment because it's really challenging when you need to be educating alongside innovating, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. It's been really cool to work for these smaller companies. I, Mm -hmm. after Ritzy, I worked, um, with an influencer, Caitlin Bristow. And I think you've, you've talked to her manager, Cleo, who's yes. the best. I worked with them for a little bit just to like mm-hmm. get my um, feet wet and what it was like to work again with this small nimble team where that was a digital first product. She has her hair care, sorry, her hair accessory line that's mm-hmm. all online. Um, and then go into like pure startup world. So for me working in digital, it's been really fun because these are companies that are built off social. Like 437 mm-hmm. is built for Instagram and by Instagram and by influencers and by online communities. So every idea that I have or that my team has is at the core of the business. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I would just say like, it's not for everyone. And I think there's probably a lot of growth that's happened in some of the bigger companies I've worked in, especially in the past year with everything being online. And I feel like the experience would probably be different now, but for me, like I really feel like I found my groove when I was working for these super digital first brands and it's yeah it's just such a personal sort of journey to find what that totally, spot is totally yeah and so you mentioned that you did like jump through like diff- you jumped through different roles and I know like older generations like my parents for example they <laughs> usually stay in like one role or I think I was even told in business school it's like rule of thumb you want to stay at like a position for like two years or something and I'm like why so yeah so what is your opinion you've definitely done some different roles under a year which I think is great because you're getting more experience and more exposure um but yeah what are your thoughts around that and also like for me I recently left a corporate role about like a month or two ago and for me that was it was only it's like maybe like almost two years but I still felt leaving was like super awkward maybe that's like a transition you can talk about but yeah so how do you feel about like going into different roles yeah I think it really Again, it's so, so personal. I I have no regrets in terms of what I was able to learn. And I really have a policy of always having the conversation. So if there's an opportunity that comes up, um, even if you're not seeking it, again, now because everything's online, like there's always Mm -hmm. people on LinkedIn reaching out. There's always connections. You're always seeing people post cool new things online, on social media, whatever. 
I say always, always have the conversation. Would I say as a rule of thumb that it Mm -hmm. is like amazing to work for somewhere for 11 months and that's the Mm -hmm. most you're going to learn from it? Mm -hmm. Probably not if I was talking to a friend. But Mm -hmm. when I look back, the reason why I moved so quickly is because I had opportunities. You know, I worked out of, I moved out of an agency to work at Sage, which was amazing. It was my first like true in-house corporate experience. Um, And I was by no means having a bad time, but then Aritzia reached out with an opportunity and it was, you know, the industry was more aligned with me. It was such a great opportunity. I was able to grow into my first managerial role. Like all of those things were right. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's not a good answer because it's so so personal, but Mm -hmm. I would just say like, always take the conversation, always meet people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you make a connection and you don't get the job and you're able to learn more at your current job. Sometimes you do get the job and, and you leave, but I would say, it's exhausting to do the way, do it the way I did though. So <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so personal. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, you leaving your corporate job was something that you felt that you had to do, but it's also sometimes can feel like kind of unsteady to be making moves like oh, that totally. if you have like totally. a good gig. Right. So totally, totally. Yeah. So what about, I want to talk about what your role is now at 437. Tell me everything that you do. What's a day in your life? I obviously I love 437. Um, I have the bathing suits. They're awesome. So yeah, give us, give me a little, uh, like a spiel of what you do every day. Yes. I mean, this is such a cliche startup answer, but there literally is no typical day. I think 437, the brand itself feels so established and the product is so like top tier that you would sometimes be surprised by how small the team is and how many hats every single member of the team is wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of my role as the marketing director at 437, really that encompasses a lot of things, um, a lot of what you would expect. So overseeing our, our social team, our creative team, so our art director and our graphic designer, um, overseeing partnerships, which is like influencers, but also brand partnerships um, and working with our partnerships manager. Um, it also entails performance channels. So that means like paid ads on, on Google and Facebook. That means SMS, that means email, um, some like e-com marketing stuff, working with our, our, our PR consultant and doing like VIP and editor gifting. It's a, it's a lot of things. And again, because the team is so small, I also get to do things that even someone in a marketing director role at another company would not get to do. So I spend a lot of time talking and actually ideating with design and working on designs and collaborating on ideas because the team is super small and uh, 437 is really cool in that because we're built for and by and in these social and digital communities that Mm -hmm. the marketing team's ability to kind of read what's happening in the sphere, in the environment, what our our girls are loving really helps actually inform the way that we design. Um, And that's not always present in in some larger companies that have a more like traditional fashion sort of cycle. So Mm -hmm. so that's a lot, that's a long long spiel, but that's, that's, that seems really, really, yeah, really exciting. So how small is the team and how involved are the founders? Like, is it like, are they in like the day-to-day? Do you have constant conversations with them or yeah, how does the workflow kind of work there? Yeah, so the team is, I want to say, about 15 people total. Really? Um, I thought it was, like, because 437 is quite big, and I, like, obviously on sales and e-com and everything, I was not expecting it to be that small. You weren't kidding. Yeah. Literally 15 no, people, yeah. It's pretty small. I mean, we work yeah. with some really talented, like, consultants and external people, yes. but in terms of our full-time staff, it's about that number. Yes. Um, so it is 
very small. Mm-hmm. Um, and the founders, Hyla and Adrian, are quite present in the in the brand. I mean, it's mm-hmm. this is definitely a new phase for 437, having directors come in. So myself, the head of operations, the head of design, to allow the founders to step back a little bit and be more focused yeah. on like the overarching goal of the brand and the business and growing and expanding right. and ideating on new categories and doing a lot of biz dev, but they're very, very present. Um, I'm talking to them every day and they really have amazing ideas for the business and still remain very, very connected to the business. There's a lot of founders who have a view of the business from where they sit, um, which isn't necessarily representative of what's actually happening on the ground level. But I would say that both of the founders in this case, Hyla and Adrian, are both very engaged with, with what's happening on a day-to-day and how our customers are responding and what we think our customers will love. So it's very cool to work with them in that way. And they're they're super inspiring and both like so young and yes. have built such a cool brand. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very cool to work with them. Yes. Are most of your team members like in the same age bracket? I assume that everyone's like younger millennials-ish or are there any anyone older? It's yeah, it's pretty young. It's a pretty young yeah. team. A lot of people mm-hmm. in their mid twenties. I mean, mm-hmm. even early twenties to like mid thirties. Like it's very young. Definitely the youngest team I've worked with. But mm-hmm. um, I think that's part of what makes the company feel so authentic and the designs feel so on point is because we're really able to create products for ourselves. And mm-hmm. this is by no means disrespect to anywhere else. This is not shade to anywhere else I've ever yes. worked. But. Yes. Uh, especially in startups, you know, there are companies that have to answer to a board and the board often looks, you know, like a middle-aged white guy, honestly. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that we're, we're self-funded and our team is Mm -hmm. just ourselves and we're all in this certain age demo is, is really cool because it feels really authentic and it's Mm -hmm. not sort of guided by some of these principles held by people who are probably veterans in the industry, but Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily in touch with what's cool or innovative anymore. So super young, mm-hmm. small team. That's amazing. Yeah. So you're in, obviously in a leadership role. You're as a marketing director. Um, where, what do you think are some of like the most important skills to, to be a leader? Ooh, that's a great question. And I think, again, I'm not always the perfect model for this, but I would say in terms of how I lead and how I think 437 builds leaders in general, which I think is really aligned with me is being a very good connector and caring a lot about the people behind the business and caring a lot about people in general. And I know that that's easy to say. Everybody cares about people, but I feel like what's been so instrumental in me being able to grow my career in the way that I did is, is having taking a genuine interest in people, whether those be work connections, whether those be people reporting into me, whether those be my work peers or my managers, or whether those be like the girls and the women that we're selling product to, like just really genuinely caring about people has been mm-hmm. um, the most instrumental in me, in me growing as a leader. That being said, it, it causes a lot of challenges too, because there are some things that are just work and aren't personal. And it's taken a lot of time for me to really be able to to hone the ability to fluctuate between personal and life and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and work life. But for me, the leaders I've been the most motivated by are people who you can just tell, like, give a shit if I can swear. They, yeah, just no, of course, give, a sh- yeah. they give a shit about yeah. you. They understand that you're a person and they really want to support you doing good work, but they understand that 
you're a human. And Mm -hmm. especially I think in like the fashion industry, it's often an industry that takes itself really seriously and it's really intense Mm -hmm. and a lot of pressure. And Mm -hmm. what's cool about 437 is we're really encouraged to lead in a way that's like, of course, we all care so much about this business and about our customers. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're selling swimsuits. Like it's, it's nothing worth, you know, losing our hair over yes everything is solvable and we're all people and as long as we stay connected to each other's humanity like we're good so that's been my biggest leadership thing is just giving a shit yeah (laughs) just giving a shit just giving a shit about what you do um and the people you work with because I I also think like a lot of us were raised with this view of like corporate life and nine to five and the company Mm -hmm. for everything but it's like for what like to to hate what you do every single day just to make money to spend, you know, two out of seven of your days living a bit more comfortably, but dreading what's going to happen on Monday. Like, yeah, what, like, what's the point? Exactly. That is the right mindset to have. And I think I did not have that when I was at the corporate job, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, a lot of people do as well. They, they kind of like burn themselves up. That's why much I'm more of like, I work for a content creator. It's a smaller team now too. And it's kind of, it's that startup feel. Um, so I can, I can understand why you love working at 437 so much. Totally. And I'm sure you experienced this at, at working for a content creator is like, yes. you get to focus so much more on people and on community. And that feels mm-hmm. so much more authentic than hundred you know, zeroing in on someone's wallet. I don't know, yes. just for fun, in my opinion. Yes. Yes. Lovely. Okay. I was hoping to end the episode with some fun rapid fire questions. If you have the time to do so. Yeah, oh, of course. Okay. Um, we'll start off easy, I guess. What is your favorite 437 item? Oh my God. <laughs> that should be an easy answer, but I actually <laughs> don't know. My favorite 437 item, I would say, is we do really fire collections every year that are like hype and fun and super Instagrammable. Yes. But my favorite are like the basics. Mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. favorite bikini from 437 is the Sanders bikini in espresso. It's like the perfect brown color. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. feels exciting enough that you want to reach for it. And it feels a bit more interesting than like a black or a white, but mm-hmm. it's so staple and you feel really cute in it and it's like perfectly strappy and easy to wear, but always feels fun to put on. So that's my, that's my favorite. I think we do staple really, really well. Okay. Love it. Um, if you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Oh my God. Let's say alive people that are alive. Alive. Yes. You know what? This is such a cliche answer, but I would just love to be Oprah for a day because (laughs) I feel like talk about a leader Mm -hmm. who's led with people first. Like she's Mm -hmm. such a boss, so freaking smart, Mm -hmm. amazing business person. She's built an empire. Her name alone is an empire, right? Yes. Yes. But it's because she's such a good connector. And like to this Mm -hmm. day, like I watched the Meghan Markle interview and I was like, oh, you still give a shit. Like you still show up. And maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, at this point she could do it in her sleep, like turn that on. But I would just love to see what it's like to, to take that skill and build it into this huge empire. And I also respect that she's such a people connector, but like her personal life, like you don't know that much about it. Like she mm-hmm. does her mm-hmm. own thing. That is, that is very true. There's never really any like bad press about Oprah. You don't really get to see, you know, everyone knows her, but no one really knows like her personally, which is, which is true, which is good. Which is like, so, you know, we never see the like Jeff Bezos, like cheating, texting scandal. You know, she just like does her own thing and like builds her empire. Like (laughs) that's so cool. Um, Great answer. Okay. What do, what don't most people know about you? Like a fun fact, maybe. Oh my gosh. I want to know yours first. And that's going to set the tone for me. What's your, people don't know about you. 
but I feel like I've kind of talked about it recently, but I, let me think I have a black belt in kickboxing, which is so off brand for me. If you know me in real life, it's just like, what? Cause I was, I was a dancer growing up. So like, obviously, you know, dance, you're very like gentle, like ballerina. And then at the same time, when I was younger, I was doing kickboxing lessons that no one really knew about. And then now so randomly cool. at like parties, I'm like, I have a black belt. People are like, no, you don't. I'm like, I do. And then I'll like whip it out. But that's like something super random about me. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so cool. And probably helped with your dancing. Like you're so like aware of your body yes. and like in control yes. of your body. That's, that's a really cool, like mind body yeah. connection. <laughs> oh my God. Something that people don't know about me. If you're in my personal life, you definitely know this about me, but again, mm-hmm. just to like defy, I think people's expectations of what, you know, a businesswoman or someone mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. climbing the corporate ladder looks like is that mm-hmm. I am like the sleepiest person in the entire world and I do not have a beautiful routine. Like I would say you would think, I mean, my my managers, the founders like have such cool aspirational meditation routines and mindfulness mm-hmm. routines and start their days with journaling. And like, mm-hmm. I just do not. And I think if you were not a personal, <laughs> like a super close friend of mine, yes, even yeah. just like an Instagram friend, yeah, you would think that like, mm-hmm. I'm a super organized person and have built this beautiful routine, but like, mm-hmm. I'm like the sleepiest person. I work so much on my phone. I work so mm-hmm. much at night. Mm-hmm. It's not like, a, it's not like an interesting fact, but yes, again, just to go back to like define yeah. the expectations and also just like, just to say that like the world is built for morning people, but like you mm-hmm. can succeed if you're not a morning person, if you get your shit done. So that's my. I love that. I love fact. it. Cause I, I think, I, I think I've maybe been to Toronto once, but I always assume that everyone in those roles have this, like, you know, the, this big white apartment with these big windows and they make their like matcha and coffee, you know, like those TikToks totally. or reels that everyone has. Yes. Like, I'm like, does everyone in Toronto just live this life? But oh my gosh. Um, and I feel yeah. like, yeah, especially when people are like going to the offices and everyone's so beautiful and put together. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. I think it's really fun, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm such, I can't cook. I can barely make a coffee in the morning. Like that's my biggest thing. So just know you can still succeed (laughs) if you're a mess. (laughs) Love it. Okay. What is something that you do now that you didn't do before quarantine? Something I do now is having to prioritize making space for movement in my own home. I'm not sure. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously you have kickboxing background, a dancing background. I'm Mm -hmm. sure movement's so important to you, but Mm -hmm. I used to be someone who needed to get out of the house to move. I only did studio workouts. I never like even did self-guided gym workouts yes I feel like the one thing that I've made my routine I'm I'm I lied in my last answer obviously the only thing is my routine is making room to move in the house I think is like everything zoom workouts if you ever Mm want to do a zoom workout I have recorded every workout I've done online in the past year I have a google drive of probably 200 videos so (laughs) that's the one thing for me is like making space and not feeling like I had to leave the house in order to like mm-hmm. connect to my body in the way that I think I felt I had to before. Love that. Okay. So who is your favorite? If you watch YouTube, who's your favorite YouTuber? Or if not, who is your favorite like influencer on Instagram? Ooh, also such a good question. I feel like the YouTubers that I watch the most are people that I literally have watched for years and years. I don't know if you have those mm-hmm. like comfort people for yes, you. And yes, a hundred percent. I do. <laughs> I, um, two people that I love and that I've watched forever and are both Toronto girls and mm-hmm. now like know personally is Alana Davison. 
yes, strong based, like yes, beauty, fashion, um, but also just like a life lifestyle blog stuff, and mm-hmm. like Allegra Shaw, mm-hmm. who's like mm-hmm. more of fashion again, beauty. Um, I just feel like I've been watching them for as long as I've been on YouTube, so they're like my comfort YouTubers at this point. Yes, yes, I love watching both of them too. Um, and two more questions. Okay, what compliment do most people give you, or do you hear the most? Ooh, like personality compliment? Yeah, sure. It Any can be compliment. either. It can be anything. In terms of personality compliment, I think I get the most that I'm a good listener and I'm like engaged mm-hmm. in people's lives, which is mm-hmm. true. And I always want to be the person who, you know, when you're talking in a group and it feels like no one's listening to you and you see like your one friend listening to yes. you, like <laughs> I always want to be that. Mm-hmm. So that's my, probably my like biggest personality. Again, goes back to like just giving a shit. I think yeah. that's probably what I get the most. <laughs> and on physical, I always get my hair. I have really long hair. Yes, so that's you have my... beautiful hair. Yes. Thank you. So... <laughs> I promise I wasn't fishing. That's, no. that's what I get. <laughs> no, you do. I was looking, I was like, oh my God. I used to have really long hair. It's like, it's in a bun, right? But it's really short now. <laughs> probably yeah. feels so fresh. My hair is like dead ends, but appreciate it. Love it. Um, and on, on Fridays, I usually do like a Friday fave. So things that I'm loving, whether that's like a book, podcast, music, person. So do you have a fave that I can share? That can be anything again, clothing item, a song, an app, anything that you're really loving right now. My Friday fave Mm -hmm. right now is, this is so lame, but I think my Friday fave right now is I've been watching the show, The Circle. Have you watched it? I have not watched it, but I've heard a lot of great things people say it's super entertaining and it's really funny it's so bad but so entertaining and it's like yes. big brother in 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 covid days yes and yes it's really i feel like you'd get a kick out of it being in social like because it's yes. supposed to be like a fake <laughs> social network so yeah i don't even want to give that as my fave but like genuinely i've been watching it every day so that's my fave right now amazing okay well thank you so much for chatting with me sophie it was lovely learning more about you um and yeah i obviously i love 437 so anyone who's listening because most of my listeners are female if you haven't heard of it i don't know what you're doing you must be living under a rock it's a great brand so where can everyone where can everyone find you where can they find 437 just plug yourself so you can find 437 on Instagram as just 437. The number is 437. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always up to fun stuff. So follow us there or on TikTok as 437shop. Mm-hmm. So check us out. Shoot us a DM. We're always active. We're always reading comments. We're always looking at our tag photos. So I look forward to, to seeing some of your listeners there. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm Sophie F. Coleman. Sophie is in Francis F. Wait, Sophie F. is in Francis Coleman. Yes. Um, on everything and yeah my dms are always open and that was sophie coleman of course i put all of her links where you can find her in 437 all in the show notes and she's also on margo so last week i interviewed the founder joss of margo so it's a female mentorship platform so she's on there um, joss and sophie so you can book time with them so thank you for listening and i'll see you next week